Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. And today, you guys, we have a special guest, Mr. Jason from the OKC. How are you, Jason? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How are you? I'm doing well. We're getting a couple, like nutso storms over here in texas like i was having a fajita night at a friend's house last night and this big uh-huh. bang happened and we thought it was just a big crack of thunder and come to find out there was a tree on her house so that wasn't oh, great wow. <laughs> uh so lots yeah, of flash dad, floods my dad actually told me that there's a couple storms he's in dallas right now so oh so yeah said- he said there's a couple storms rolling through there, so I yeah. hope everything's safe with y'all, though. Yeah, everything's going okay. Um, I'm obviously in lifetime recording this, so our lights are still on, so there's that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> got to take the wins, but, you know, obviously being in OKC, you definitely know about wild storms, but... Um... Oh, most definitely. <laughs> now, most Jason, definitely. Um, Jason is not... Jason Frimpong is not your full name. What's your full name? I want to hear it. So I have three middle names. My my full name is Jason Nana Asante Amwaku Frimpong. Wow. Okay, that's a beautiful and name. So, thank you. I appreciate it. My um, the the three names have a different meaning behind all of them. Behind all of them. So. Okay. Tell me. I would love to hear. So the Nana means N A N A. Yeah. Means um that I was born on Tuesday. Oh. Okay. And then the Asante part is um the tribe that my that i that i my heritage is from so my mom and my dad are from originally from ghana i'm first generation oh wow um, so ghana is a country off of uh the coast of west africa right by the atlantic ocean mm-hmm. so it's close to nigeria and togo ivory coast around that area oh, okay nice and so you didn't you weren't born in ghana though is that right I wasn't, I was not, I was actually born in Dallas, Texas, by the way of Irvin, Texas. Oh, okay, okay. But then you went over to Ghana when you were three? Yes, I went when I was three, came back when I was like six or seven. Okay, and what was it like being, living over in Ghana versus living in the States? You know, when I was, before I was three, I don't really remember how I was living in Dallas. I don't remember everything. But when I went to Ghana, everything was more, I, everything was clear and vivid. So like the first night I remember when I went to Ghana, my, we, me, I went with my mom and we stayed at her sister's house, my aunt's house. And she, my aunt lived in a very low income place where, you know, we had a shower with very cold water, which was not pleasant at all, you know. <laughs> um, 
that was the first night I remember. And we got there late. We got there maybe about 2 o'clock in the morning, so it was dark, you know. And in Ghana, some parts of Ghana, especially where my aunt was staying, where we stayed, there was no street lights, so, like, everything was dark. I remember taking showers in the dark, you know. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah, it was very, it was very um, humbling, you know. So, you know, so as you know, as the days went on and as the years went on, um, at first, you know, I didn't fit in well with the kids there because I was a kid from America and the kids from Ghana, like, they kind of, they kind of look down upon you, even though you're fat, you're, you're, you're blood, you know what I mean? But right. they still kind of, they still kind of look down on you as an outsider. Right. You know? So it took a while for me to fit in with those, with the kids, um, in Ghana at that age. Um, I remember, like, at the time, I didn't, I couldn't speak the native language. So, like, the only thing I knew was, English and um, the kids would speak to me in the, in the native language and at the time I didn't know what they were saying so I would say I would talk back in English and they would like mock me to be funny you know oh wow so it took some time to to, to adjust but um you know as the time went on year, the years went by uh, it, it got easier it got really easier and then like the culture pretty much got embedded in me and um, I remember going, so the first, so we first stayed in Accra. Accra is where um, my mom is from. That's the capital of Ghana. It's literally like at the tip of Ghana. So like they do a lot of um, fishing, lots of, a uh, lot of water transportation. So it's, it's literally like right at the tip and that's the capital. Um, maybe around when I was like four or five, we went to uh, a place called Kumasi. And then there's a place that's close to Kumasi called Kamaru, uh, which is where my dad is from. Okay. And so that's where I seen, that's where I visited my dad's side of the family. Um, I saw my, my, my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, he was a uh, carpenter at the time. He passed away, but he was a, I, when I saw him, he was a, he was a carpenter. He was actually sewing clothes at the time. Mm -hmm. But then I met, I met my, uh, my, gran my grandmother, my dad's mother. Mm -hmm. And then I met his, uh, the rest of his siblings that were there, my aunts and uncles. Interesting. Um, and yeah. And then my mom's side of the family, I didn't meet, my mom's, my mom's dad passed away, so I didn't meet him, but I met my mom's mom before she passed away. And um, she, it's funny, she stayed in a house full of cats, full of cats. <laughs> Like, literally, I'm not a big cat person. I like dogs more. Uh -huh. I have nothing against cats, but, you know, cats kind of, they just, they, they, they got a mind of their own, you know? They kind of <laughs> are independent. They don't want to be bothered, you know? Yeah. They kind of give you a, they give me kind of like a, uh, I don't know, a kind of like a, a awkward vibration, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're sassy. Right, exactly. So yeah. that was that was very interesting scene, but they didn't, they were harmless, though. But, you know, just the whole time growing up there it was it was a great experience super great like i like i can't that was like a time of a time of my life even though like it was hard at first just getting mm -hmm. adapted to being there mm -hmm. but as the time went on like i got adapted and it was, it was great so one language that i really love because i had a, a grandfather that was from hawaii he wasn't blood related but he was um he's from hawaii so um i got to know a couple of hawaiian um uh, words and one of the words okay. that my grandmother always impressed upon me was faith. So Manolo Ipolele is faith in the Hawaiian language. Is there a word that kind of still sticks with you um, from Ghana that means a lot to you, or that you just like saying, or has a special meaning to you? Um, 
a special word. I, I don't really have a special word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like the culture behind everything. I don't oh, really okay. have a special word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just it's just more. Of, it's just more of a culture. Like my name, pretty much. Like the three parts of my middle name really speak volumes. I think that's right. I forgot to tell you the last part of my middle name. So the first part of my middle name is is Nana, which means I'm born on Tuesday. Right. And then As- Asante is um that's the tribe that my parents come from. Um and then which is the Asante tribe. Asante is just short for As- uh, uh, Ashanti. And then um Amwaku is the creation or the birth of. So Oh very cool. Pretty, okay. Yeah, so that's pretty much what kind of sticks with me yeah. more than a saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, everything, there's a lot of power behind a name, you know? Obviously, right, right. It, it's the, that's one of the most interesting things about history and culture is that when you go back to where your heritage came from, usually your name meant the job that you were doing. Like, I remember, right. I remember learning that in school, like somebody that was um, a smith was a smithman or you know patterson meant um something else with like more manual labor or something like that so it's always interesting that our names always tell a story so that's really interesting cool i always always tell people you know i only got one normal part of my name and that's the jason part everything else gets gets real african after that so (laughs) yeah but what's fun about being normal (laughs) your name is so beautiful So, um, what do you feel like was um, the most influential part of you growing up? Like, at what at what stage during your upbringing do you feel like influenced you the most today? Um. So when I came back from Ghana, um, I, I pretty much was like, pretty much that's how I was like, I, that's how structured. That's the only thing I knew was the household of the Ghanaian culture. Mm-hmm. That's what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember before I was before I had left, my my household was a Ghana-structured household. But when I went to Ghana, it was really, really Ghana-structured uh, in the household, you know? Mm-hmm. So, when I, so when I came back, um, when I came back, it was, it was my house, my household was still very Ghana-structured, Ghanaian-structured. But I also had to eventually. I had to go outside to school, and you know, at school you're not. It's not. It's not Ghanaian structured anymore. It's American structured. Right. Okay. So, um, so I had to learn both the difference and the discrepancy between the two. You know. So could you ex- so could you expand on that a little bit more? Because I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah. I've never heard. So what does it mean to have Ghanaian structure? Ghanaian structure, pretty much like pretty much everything is valued around family. Um, there's a there's a almost like rules where like okay well like you, your parents we didn't like I didn't I didn't eat fast food until I was 16 so my mom so my mom and my sisters growing up I like they would they would cook all the time so like cooking was a big thing amongst the women in my family mm-hmm. um um you know keeping you keeping yourself grown I know that's kind of that should be everybody's structure right but right. um keeping yourself groomed at a young age um being aware of uh your, who you are as a as a as a Ghanaian kid um you know the food of course um <clears throat> yeah just stuff like that knowing the language my my have i have aunts and uncles that to this day 
they don't speak English to me. So whenever I speak to them, uh -huh. they know a little bit of English, uh -huh. but um, they speak to me in the native language, which is called Tree. It's called it's T R I with an apostrophe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So you know, pretty much just getting all of that embedded in me at a young age, and then like um, yeah, the food, the the clothing, the the the, the rules, uh -huh. um, stuff like that. I've, you know, I've never, I've never heard that language before. Would you mind sharing maybe like just a simple sentence about so we could hear you speak it? Okay, let me think. Uh, yeah, so I know how to say how are you doing today. Okay. And that, and that is at the same. That's what this so when so how you say how are you doing is uh, at the same. Oh, okay. Wow. And then uh, what would be a response, like good, bad, or so-so? Yeah, so if you say you're good, you'd be like, hey, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's pretty short. Yeah, everything's pretty, it's pretty, yeah, it's not, it all flows together pretty short. So, like, a person who speaks it fluently can go on forever. You can imagine, right? My mom wow. and dad speak, speak it fluently, and they can go on forever. Okay. You know what I mean? Cool. Very so, cool. Even to this day, like, it's hard for me to, like, my, I, like, I have family members that talk, like, I can understand it for sure. Yeah. You know, but as far as, like, that's the, the most you're going to get out of me. I know my parents, I, that's kind of shameful. They're probably going to, they're probably <laughs> kind of shameful the fact that that's all I know, but that's not all I know, but that's all I can say, really. Well, but, like, I, if somebody in my family were to talk about me yeah. and treat I would definitely know they can't hide it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> well, you. I mean, you can comprehend a lot. Like growing up in growing up, a, a large portion of my life has been in San Antonio, right? So I'm right. around a ton of Spanish speakers, whether they're from Honduras, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Mexico. So I'm listening to all these like different dialects, right? And especially when mm -hmm. I was in at UTSA, I actually you got to be a part of the Hispanic a Student Association, even if you weren't oh, Hispanic. Okay. So I was over there. I was with friends, so I got to listen to it all the time. And then my roommate was Italian, and then my boyfriend at the time was from Brazil. So I got to hit, listen to, like, uh -huh. a little bit of, like, Portuguese, some French dialect. So, you know, when you're immersed in all of that language, yeah, it's, it's far easier to, like, reverb it back. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, but when you're, not, when you're not around it, like, on a regulatory basis, like, it's so hard to be able to, like to on the fly like be able to translate while you're thinking right like it's just like mm -hmm. it's so hard to to reverb back so i get i get that for sure um so a word that's thrown around a lot these days is influencer and you have a pretty empowering social media that's actually why one of the biggest reasons i wanted to connect with you because i was like dude this guy is like strong um and he is so interesting um, so when you when you have people visit your profile, what do you what are you hoping you influence them to do, or what do you want to get what do you want them to get from your profile? Um, you know, more so, I would like for people to get out of my post my my profile. I would like them to get not the fact that like there's tons of weight being thrown around, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. that's what it, that's what it looks like. <laughs> To the to the naked eye, right? That's right. what it looks like. Um, so I can't blame people for seeing that. But the, what I want people to get out of it more is the uh, the technique behind everything, you know. And I'm not saying I have this great technique on every lift I do, but that I really preach that heavily, and I preach that to clients. I, teach, I preach that to my classes. 
I preach that to a lot of so because you know technique can take you far away. Right. I always tell my people and my clients, um, you know, if you have the technique, the, the easy part is is just getting stronger. That's the easy part. Mm-hmm. But but getting but being strong and trying to learn technique, that can be the hard part. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what I want people to get out of my pages. Yeah, there's a lot of weight that's being thrown around, but it's more the technique that's it's more about the technique on the way you do things um, that that I want to that I want it to be that I want to empower or to display. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of movement shown on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram. Right. There's like a lot of. Uh, pretty sketchy moving around. So, yeah, I definitely hear from you that you would like people to know that you are an educated resource for studying good Olympic lifts and and slowing yeah, that what, down. That's pretty much what I, what I want people to get out more, mm-hmm. the education part of because I am an educator and I really take pride on educating yes. that specific realm. So. Yes, and you actually have a very particular educator that you really um, love as well. I would love for you to kind of Talk to us about how did you even get into powerlifting? Where did when did that start for you? So yes, yeah, so I got into I, so it's Olympic weightlifting. Yes, um, sorry. So yeah, you're fine. Uh, so I got into Olympic weightlifting. So I grad so when I graduated high school, I was playing or not high school, college. Um, you know, I had dreams to go to the NFL. You know, some a lot of that stuff just didn't turn out the way I wanted to. So you know, I got real bored once I graduated high school or college. And so I was like, um, man, I got to get into something. So I remember my first fitness job was I was working at uh, Orange Theory Fitness. And I was like, and I was a fitness consultant. So I I pretty much did sales and tours uh, of the place. And, you know, that place is more of a uh, cardio-based program studio. So... Um, they was they were heavy on cardio, and I wasn't the biggest on that. So, and in order to work there, you had to do their classes, which were heavily cardio based, three times a week. Right. And so you can only imagine somebody who's not used to doing cardio doing that three times a week. You know. So, um, I'm not going to say that's why I ended things, but that's kind of why I yeah. did end things because I just wasn't. And I wanted to always be a trainer too. So. Um, there was a guy at that place that was a trainer, and I told him, I was like, look, I want to be a trainer. I don't want to continue to be a salesperson. He's like, all right, well, I know a guy at Gold's Gym that can that can get you on as a trainer, but you don't have any certifications at the time, which I didn't. So he was like, you need to, what you need to do is go, I'm going to get you linked in with him. He's probably going to have you work the front desk, but during the time of you working the front desk, you can be studying for your certification and then he'll hire you on as a trainer. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. So I did that. Um, I got, so I was working the front desk as a, as, at Gold's Gym. So all I did was scan people in and answer phone calls. Right. Um, during that time, I was studying for my test, studying, studying, studying. And then, you know, one day I was just, I was bored at work one day, and I uh, just was watching YouTube videos on fitness, and I ran across Olympic weightlifting. And, you know, I had did cleans and stuff in high school, but I just didn't take it serious. So I had ran across um, videos in, on YouTube, uh, and specifically um, this page called Cal Strength, California Strength, which is a big Olympic weightlifting program in California. And they have their own YouTube, uh, their YouTube channel and all that. So I was watching that, and I was like, man, all these guys are throwing 
these all these weights around with with, with the fishing technique. I, I want to get into it. So literally <laughs> that day that I got off work, I decided um, to work out at my job, and that's what I was doing. Well, there was a guy by the name of Jeff Pill that was a district manager at Gold's at the time, and he saw me doing that, and him and his wife were really big into it. And he he came up to me and was like, hey, you like doing this stuff? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. And then um, he was like, well, there's a guy that I know, and he's my coach. He teaches Olympic weightlifting, has his PhD in exercise science, a really, really knowledgeable guy. He's the head department of kinesiology at Oklahoma City University. You need to get linked in with him. He's a very good weightlifting coach. And I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I was willing to do anything at that point. I didn't have nothing else to lose, you know? <laughs> um, and so I linked in with him. So I just so he gave me his contact information, and I literally I I, I messaged him, um, and then we scheduled a day where we meet at where I meet, I met him at his uh, facility, and then the rest was history. And during this time too, I was still studying to become a trainer, and I finally got my certifications to uh, become a trainer. So two things really major in my life that happened was I I got my certification to become a trainer, and then I did, uh, I got my I started doing Olympic weightlifting. So, mm-hmm. See, so that's how, pretty much how I got tied in with Dr. Miller. His name is Dr. Miller. So Dr. that's Miller. how I got tied in with him. Right. So mentors, influencers, they can all kind of change our lives and totally pivot it into a completely different direction. Do you feel like for Dr. Sure. Miller was your mentor that totally changed your life for the better? Oh, uh, most definitely. Like, I tell him that all the time, and he hates taking credit for it. But <laughs> he's, a very hum- he's a very humble guy. He's like me in a, in a sense, but um, yeah, I, I tell like that. I tell you, and I tell everybody this: like, if it wasn't for him, I would not be where I am today. Um, with teaching other people and having a big impact on other people through this avenue, you know, he literally taught me like from how to hold a bar correctly to to how many cells are in your body. You know what I mean? Right. He, he literally like is probably the smartest person that I know. He, he he was my weightlifting coach, but he was more than my weightlifting coach. He was like a mentor because we, we would talk about other avenues, like other um, realms of fitness. Like we would talk about nutrition. Like he just knew, he was basically like a book, an open book. You know what I mean? Right. He gave his knowledge to me, and I really, really appreciate that. And like big shout out to Dr. Miller because he's, uh, he, he and, I, and there's other people that, that know that can vouch for what I'm saying. Like that guy. Is, is a genius. He's a great guy outside of um, him being a, a mentor and a coach, too, as well. So he's just a great guy in, in, in general. So, yeah, shout out to Dr. Miller. Do you think that having a mentor made you a better trainer or an, also a mentor no. yourself? Yes. I, like, I don't know what kind of trainer. If I didn't have him, I, I literally don't know what kind of trainer I'd be. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I learned through... I mean, I have the certifications that I've learned, but just the practical of this, just having a mentor and being under him and having and doing stuff practical, practically, you know what I mean? Right. Like being under him and, and being, he's so hands-on with everything, you know what I mean? That's the best way for me to learn was through him. And so, like, if it wasn't for him, I literally don't know what kind of coach I'd be. Really, I really don't. Right. You can be the smartest person in the world and be able to regurgitate, you know, textbooks. But unless you have an applied science, then you're probably exactly. not going to be able to talk about life experience and different variables, exactly. right? Um, exactly. Like, we would talk, Dr. Miller would tell me, like, the things he, when he does his internships, 
he he all he has people do is come in and they and they lift. They pretty much lift weights. They they teach them like they do squats, deadlifts, cleans, or snatches. Like they do all the big compound lifts so that they know how it feels. So now they can go educate it to other people. Because if you've never been under a bar or been un, done none of those movements, it's kind of hard to speak it, it's to really it. Hard to, 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 educate people on that you know what I mean exactly so while we're on that topic you've been to quite a few meets and you know you've only really been you've only really been in this type of like lifting format for how long how many years um so I've been I've been to I've been I can't even count how many local meets I've done I've done a lot of local meets um more probably more than 10 local meets and then I've done one national meet I went to the Arnold Classic um, the American the American Open Series one in in 2020 in the beginning of March, right when COVID hit. That's when I when I when I had went. Um, so I've been in this. I've been doing this for about it'll be four years this this July. Some still and 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 in, in, in the weightlifting world in the Olympic weightlifting world, that's still considered a newbie. So I'm still considered a rookie. And, and, and the weightlifting world. Right, and you, you still have, like, a very long way to go, so that means that, you know, you only have room to improve. Um, yeah, definitely. Do you want to share maybe, like, your current PRs right now just while we're on that topic? Yeah, sure. I actually I actually did hit a PR this morning. What? <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I did a – so my back squat – I did a back squat of 555 today, which was – never done that before. Wow. Um and then my front squat is 475. My best clean and jerk would be 365, and then my best snatch would be 277. And then my best clean by itself would be 380. Okay, wow, yeah. Yeah, so you're strong, strong. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. I got, I got some ways to go. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's nice to be able to have those certain goals, though, because, you know, when you feel like you're stepping into training um, for anything, if you don't have any type of, like, measurable, you f- you can feel, like, pretty darn aimless, right? Yes, yes, um, for sure. So that's the biggest thing with strength training. Like, you have, to, you have to have goals and you have to train smart because if you don't, you know, you'll, you'll hit brick walls. And even if you train smart, you still hit brick walls. But the thing is, you just got to keep researching and keep listening to your body, knowing when to go heavy, when knowing not to go heavy, knowing just knowing your your body pretty much, you know. So it's huge, right? It's being into. Uh, I call it being an intuitive lifter, right? Because there's intuitive, oh, sure. intuitive eating, and something that has helped me. Um, not that I'm sponsored or anything, but I, I use my whoop, uh, my whoop heart rate monitor. And it tells me a lot about like my readiness score. Um, obviously like with anything that is a wearable, there's going to be variables that are incorrect, but it's still kind of helpful for like guiding, listening to your body. Like, okay, my sleep score is not that great. Um, my strain was really high yesterday. Didn't recover fully, but, um, but yeah, I think it's really important to be able to listen to those things. Um, so that we can, you know, prevent injuries. So speaking of like negatively impacting situations, what do you feel like was an event or a person that negatively impacted your life, but still taught you a very valuable lesson? Okay. Um, so, you know, 
I saw I don't know if I told you this before. I had a, my mom passed away when I was eighteen, mm-hmm. and she. I have an aunt that she was that my that my mom got heavily influenced by, um, in a negative way. Uh-huh. And she, um, you know, when that happened, um, you know, there's a there's I'm probably saying too much, but there's a lot. So there's you know when somebody passed away, they leave money behind. Um, my mom actually left her more money than she did me and my sibling. Well, not more. It was it was about the same, but it was like half and half. And so, I, and I know it's not that wasn't coming from my mom. She didn't want to do that, but she just got so heavily influenced by her my aunt, mm-hmm. um, which made her do that. You know, because mm-hmm. my aunt really influenced her negatively and I saw that as a as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that I used to tell my dad like I really like I used to say I hate this woman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I really hate my aunt. I really did. Like I really hate this woman. But you know, I you as I go older like older I can't hate anyone because for one hate that that takes a lot of energy out of you. That takes a lot of um it just takes too much out of you to hate someone. You right, know what I mean? Right. Especially if they're just living their life, not even worried about it. Like you're wasting your time hating on them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, once I learned, like, okay, you know what? I my mom, my mom was in heaven right now. Would want me to just forgive, but don't forget, but just forgive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what made me realize, like, okay, you know what? If I saw her today, I wouldn't even be mad at her. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm just not gonna. There's just no rekindling there. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Like right. you can forgive people mm-hmm. without the reconnection. Yeah. And that's what I think about be growing up and being becoming an adult was like you don't have to hold grudges against anybody because when you hold a grudge, you're just holding you're just hurting yourself. So the biggest thing that that so to answer your question, yeah, that would be the my answer. She, um, that would be, that motivated me a lot, and that really helped me with relationships mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah, I would definitely say um, one quote that stuck with me through a lesson that was um, like that was uh, when you hate or when you hold hatred or, um, or any, like, um, ill will feelings you're basically drinking the poison that you mean for your enemies right mm. you're only poisoning mm. yourself and draining your energy and wasting it when they could not be thinking about you a day in their lives you know they very well may be not suffering and you're just suffering twice right so exactly. like so being able to let go of that um and it so it sounds like two super valuable lessons that you learned from that was how to um, figure out how to trust someone um, or mm-hmm. be able to judge that in, in different scenarios that that's a really difficult scenario um, for sure I'm def- I'm sorry to hear that you lost your mother so young that must no, have been really it. hard um, yeah it was you know it was, it was, it was really hard because the time at the time I was um I was a freshman in college so um I like you know I didn't I could not I literally talk to my mom all the time mm-hmm. so that was very I thought I, I had like a hole in my heart you know what I mean just right. something missing so but you know I have aunts that you know really I have other aunts like on my dad's side that you know stepped in I have a godmom in Houston so like I have a lot of women that came and you know kind of I wouldn't say filled the role but they did they're doing their best to 
to um, comfort me in that role. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there are situations where sometimes it it's um, it's a better realization to realize that you don't pick your family, but you also don't have to love your family. And that's kind of a hard exactly. statement to to swallow. But um, there are there are friends that feel more like blood than blood does and realizing those situations you find yourself a little bit more grateful to even have people that you care and love that you know support you and build and build you up um and then you don't think about it as much because it, it is kind of like an it's an uneasy feeling right not feeling connected mm-hmm. or close to your family you're like but i feel like i'm supposed to but that right. but you have to kind of unwrap like why do i feel like i have to force myself to have an attachment when this is an unhealthy relationship. If it's an unhealthy relationship, whether it's blood or not, then maybe it shouldn't exist, right? Like you get to right. you get to choose. And as an older adult, you have that kind of awareness a little bit more when situations like that occur where you're like, well, I don't have to have you in my life. I don't really need you in my life, you know? Right. So, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. It's definitely one of the hardest lessons as an adult to learn. Oh, um, for sure. For sure, and you know, and my mom always tells me everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I'm not gonna say that I wanted this to happen. Mm-hmm. My mom passing, but you know, it was a very valuable lesson on how I deal with people. Because if it, if, it, if if a lot of stuff didn't happen this way, then I probably wouldn't know how to deal with people. You know what I mean? Right. This situation helped me learn how to deal with a lot of people. Of course, I want my mom to still be here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. But the situation definitely, and it, it just kind of, it, it really awakened me, awakened me, and then it really sparked the the, the ignition that that showed me how to deal with people. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, there's a, a a beautiful saying, the memento mori, where you put basically death in the forefront of your mind, realizing the preciousness that is life, and it gives you so much right. more. Um, gratitude to living life in the fullest and knowing that there's no days wasted like and you can't ha- you can't waste your days and losing quite a few of my my family members too very young like elementary school when you start learning about death and how life is very fleeting and nobody is safe um it you know it does get very introspective and reflective towards like who are you spending your time around and what are you really what are you really like here for do you know what i mean right. like what are you making out of your life on your one precious life who are you giving back to and how are we exactly. you know and that's why i love our job because we get to improve people's lives daily on a mental yes. spiritual physical level um no, what do you feel like has made you the most passionate about our job and our career? You know, just the fact, like you said, like, um, there's a rapper that I, that I like to listen to by the name of Nipsey Hussle. He once quoted, um, the greatest human act is to inspire. Yes. And, you know, that's what we do, you know, as people in the health and fitness industry, like, that's what we do. We serve people and we help inspire them and to impact them on living a healthy life and making them the best. Well, just like I was telling you before, gotta love these flash flood warnings. So our recording did cut out, but we're back now um, and I'm safe. (laughs) There's no like flood. 
But we were talking about one of your favorite quotes from uh, your rapper. Can you please tell us that quote again and like what it meant for you and and applicable to um, our job and why you love inspiring people? Yeah, so the quote was by Mitchie Hustle, and the quote was, he once said, the greatest human act is to inspire. And, like, I fully believe that full-heartedly because, I mean, once you, it's almost like a dominant, domino, domino effect, right? You you inspire the right people, then they 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 get that, that, that click in there, that spark to go inspire other people, you know? And it just, it just keeps, and it's like a ripple effect that just keeps going. Um, that's the most valuable, one of the most valuable quotes and um, codes for me that I live by is to keep inspiring people. When I see people hit like PRs and or hit a body fat percentage that they've always been wanting to, or hit a weight that they've always been wanting to, like that beat that like brings so much joy to me. Mm-hmm. And like it's, it's just yeah, it's just it's it's a um, if you never <clears throat> only people that know that our coaches can only know how that feels, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, even I I can even relate and kind of pull that from one of my sessions today. I've gotten to sit with two twin brothers today at different times, and I'm, I'm training their mother. I'm training the youngest um, son, too, and then we're, we got the dad connected with another one of our trainers. But what's been so neat is... God, even going back, even before the family, I train uh, one of their friends who liked the training enough they referred, and they were like, hey, come on over to Lifetime. Um, We love our trainer. We love the facility. Like, you're going to love it too. Y'all have been talking about, you know, big changes, so, you know, start there. Um, And it's just been so neat to talk with each of them because – I feel like I'm making a huge difference in an entire family's life. There's three boys, and then there's um, the mom and dad. And I'm just like, dang, like how many more people can I touch because I'm making their lives better? make you feel so good, too? It really, like, okay, you know what? And we're just going to have a share moment right now because, you know, our weeks. So I'm, I'm very introverted. I'm very introverted, but I'm, selectri- I'm selectively introverted extroverted like during right now you and i technically this is technically like an introverted uh specialty because it's just you and i right now we're just having a conversation um so our jobs are very performance based it's like in inter training (laughs) you know we have to be we have to entertain people we have to make sure that you know people are staying safe we're being effective but we're also being therapists so there's like a lot of draining going on right in the best way but you're feeling drained and then add training on top of that, right? So, um, so anyway, my point is, is that um, you know I've had a, a very long week, like everybody does. Our job demands a lot. Today is my last day of the week. So, um, and you know, because because friends and good investments, I go out last night to have like you know a dinner with some friends. And of course, what? Yeah, well, yeah, right. Because like, who are you? What are you doing if you're not investing in good relationships, right? So I'm pushing myself literally in like flood-like weather just to go spend some time with friends. And I get home a little bit late, and I know that Saturday is one of my stacked days, and I got like an eight and a nine and a ten and eleven, and like you know, I had the whole, you know, it's one of those one of those kind of days. If you know, if you're a trainer, you know. So, and then obviously I have you right now. You're at the end of my day, and obviously I don't want to sound like an Eeyore on the other end of the of the wire, 
right? But um, mm-hmm. but surprisingly enough, even though I'm on like five or so hours of sleep and it's the end of my week, because I felt like I was making a difference, I cannot tell you how freaking fired up I am that like I feel like I'm on straight adrenaline because I'm just yeah. like, damn, I really – and you know, with teenagers, it's hit or miss, right? These kids are right. like 16, so you're like – um, not sure if they're going to listen, not sure if they're going to care, not sure if anything's mm-hmm. going to land, but, mm-hmm. but it did. And I felt like, so it's felt so meaningful. And it's one a topic that I'm so passionate about is find what you're passionate about, find your why, find your purpose, and you will not feel like you're working a day in oh, your man, life. Do you know I what I mean? That. Yeah. So it's funny that you brought that up because I teach an alpha class at 5 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, no. Yeah, so, and you know, 5 a.m. is not, it's, it's pretty brutal for a yes. lot of people, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, that means, I got, me personally, I wake up around 3.45 just to recollect my thoughts and to um, have time to, like, meditate and do all that stuff to get ready. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I get there, I got to deal with people, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. So I tell my people all the time at 5 a.m., they make, they make my job so much easier. And it's a big class. It's probably about 10 people on a regular. So um, they make my job so much easier. And they make it so much fun. Like, they're just they're, they're coachable. I don't feel like I'm at work with them. You know what I mean? Right. And that's at 5 a.m. Most people dread that or dread that. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. It's funny, it's funny that you brought that up because that's literally – um, I actually look forward to that because I would some days, you know, if we're being completely honest and organic, <laughs> you know, people would think like, man, five a.m. I gotta, dang, I gotta wake up at, I gotta be at work at five a.m. You know what I mean? It's be, they they would see it as being as it being so dreadful, but I don't even look at it like that because those people bring joy to me, and it's not even work anymore. You know. Yeah, well, and then even those particular clients that you're like, I'm making this person's life better. But do they make my life a little more challenging? They, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, even those people, yeah. there are some of those people in your schedule that you're like, here we go. I got to, like, right. dig deep and I got to right. put my, like, my, like, super extra special hat on because right. this person is going to be like, my day was long. I didn't eat. Right. And I, you know, and they're going to give you all of the things. But at the end mm-hmm. of the session, yeah, you might win, you might went into that session and been like, man, I just, I'm not ready for this. But then you just, you share such beautiful connection and change that it just revives you. And you're like, damn, I just made their, I made their day better by that one hour. It just, it's a power, it's a powerful, it's a powerful movement. And I love what we do. I love it. Same here, same here. So since we're on the topic of passion, what do you feel like is another passion of yours that's completely non-related to personal training or training yourself? Um, another passion. I would say, you know, I've always wanted, I've always been interested in this thing, psychology. Um, I've always wanted to, I've always been interested in the thoughts of people and the mind, the mind the mind frames of people and why they do the stuff that they do or um, the perspective on some on, on the different perspective that everybody has, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, I think that, I like. I really like the, the, the whole coach behind that because, you know, everybody's different. There's not one person wired the same way as everybody else. And But the thing is, we follow a set of rules 
in society that makes us all kind of the same, you know? But the thing is, but we're not, though. But right. We kind of follow rules that either we have to or we think we have to. To that makes us caught up. That makes us all in one lane, but we're really not. But some people are scared to go outside that lane because of what other people would think. You know what I mean? Well, it's like the social. It's the social expectation and structures that make us right. feel like we're all. Uh, so different and no one would understand but the human experience has been around since you know day one so we're all experiencing the same stuff in different ways and if we were able to be open about it and just kind of like what you're talking about like that psychology that awareness that uh, curiosity or that exploration of self or others would Mm -hmm. make us so much more of a kind humanity and just you know of a place of understanding instead of feeling like uh i'm against you or competition or greed or you know stuff like that right and and it brings out uh, a um, a genuine uniqueness you know Mm -hmm. about everybody you know because everybody is genuinely unique in their way they just a lot of people are just maybe scared to portray that because of what society would think or what everybody else would think you know oh yeah i mean a lot of we call that we call that your shadow side right like your shadow side or um just getting into being your most authentic self is is uncomfortable for people because of it could be their culture that's um demanding a different person or you know like the the lies that they've been telling themselves has been more comfortable than the honest and true expression that they want to express and that makes me so sad that's why I feel like whenever we're having sessions with people I want I want to be able to peel away the layers for them um in that way as as well you know like create the most safe environment for them to to be able to say certain things like you're talking about where it's like I have no idea why I just spilled my guts to you but I spilled my guts to you and I'm like yeah that's kind of part of the part of the gift so exactly exactly yeah i love that um so what what advice would you say that uh what's one piece of advice that you would say that you would give to your younger self knowing all that you know Mm -hmm. um i would say that i would give my younger self the advice i would give my younger self would be um Stay in your own lane, you know. There's there's no traffic in your own lane. Just stay in your own lane because when you figure out, when you try to content, when you try to follow trends, or when you try to be like everybody else, you don't satisfy yourself because you don't come. To, there's no there's nothing valid. There's nothing that validates you because you know it's kind of fake, you know. Right. You're you know, acting you're out of alignment because everybody else is doing it, not because you want to do it, mm-hmm. and that's not your true self. So I would say the advice that I would say to my younger people that I would give my younger self would be, you know, it's okay to be different and to, and to stay, 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 stay your course. Keep mm-hmm. running your own course. Don't, because there's nobody else in your course. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's nobody else that's like you. Mm-hmm. It's just you. So run, run at your own course, at your own pace, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I wish people would listen to what you just said and really sit with it for a second because 
it's, it is a very powerful statement that I feel like people probably hear a lot, but don't really comprehend to a degree, right, exactly. you know, cause exactly. like how, so I consider because myself, it sounds, so, it sounds so cliche, right? Like it does. So you don't want to be like everybody else. But the thing is that's powerful though. Mm-hmm. If you really dig deep and analyze that, it really is powerful. Yeah, I mean, so from the stuff that connects with me is the, my, my spiritual side. So my spiritual right. side of feeling like my most authentic and my most aligned self. So if you get into a deeper spiritual side and you talk about energy healing or chakras, a lot of people would yeah. oh, roll their eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so because I and I was the reason why I bring it up is because you started touching on meditation. And typically when you yeah. touch on meditation, you start talking about chakra and energy healing. Yeah. So, no, yeah, we actually just did a um, an energy meditation uh, for healing the third eye on um, oh, nice. on Wednesday. Okay. And it was just it was so awesome because, you know, myself and two other coworkers, we are very like um we are, how do you say, like overanalyzing. We're always constantly like reeling in our brains. We're fast thinkers. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times those that ends up relating to like anxiousness or really high highs and really low lows because we're over-processing. Yeah. Um, right. So have you ever heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test? I don't think I have heard of that. Okay, definitely check it out. So if you're okay, listening. the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, Myers-Briggs. So what it ends up telling you is, like, why you act the way you act, how you um, interact with others, how you um, work better or best with other people. Um, And so my my Myers-Briggs is an INFJ. So it basically is representing that I'm introverted, that I'm a feeler, that I'm more more empathetic. versus someone that is a little bit more logic based but I still have like there's still a lot of stuff to unwrap like from that specific personality but I love doing that because it really does show how conducive like you can be with someone that's your complete opposite so um, touching base with someone over at our other San Antonio location uh, Patrick Hopefully he listens to this episode because he's going to get really excited that I just shouted him out. But we're, we were talking about how complimentary we are because we are totally different personalities. So right. if you're listening, you're interested in psychology, that is a beautiful place to start is look up your Myers-Briggs, take the test. Oh, most definitely. I would definitely do that because yeah. I really like all that type of stuff. So. Yeah, and then, and then I would say go a step further and challenge your entire team to see if y'all have any matches because what's really funny is we just had um, one of our new trainers got hired on. I've never met an, another INFJ. Um, uh-huh. apparently we're incredibly rare and you're only like the 1%. And then, um, uh-huh. a couple other people that we just hired, they're the same Myers-Briggs. So it was kind of a funny, oh, nice. uh, and we just hired them on at the same time. So it's just, it's kind of humorous to see the different personality types and how, uh, similar they are. You know, and you know, honestly, like with all the spiritual things, like with the spiritual stuff that we're talking about, you know, a lot of that stuff people think is quint is, it's, uh, coincidental but i honestly think it's like the advert the algorithm of life like how like those two trainers of y'all 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 y'all's two new trainers that y'all just hired are both the, in the same Myers-Briggs category and they got hired on at the same time you know what i mean like, isn't that, like that weird that's it, so weird it, to me 
And, you know, honestly, I don't think that's just coincidental. I think that's <laughs> just how it's supposed to happen. And, you know, the, the algorithm of life, um, that's how it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? It's about balance. So, it's like, so... I lost my little polar opposite twin. She ended up going independent. Um, Shout out to Chanel. So she actually was on the podcast. She's episode two. Um, But she went went independent. Um, And so I lost my little work wifey. So then we get this new person. And it's funny because the more that I start unwrapping him, I'm like, hey, you know, you and I are very similar. <laughs> so it was nice. Right. Just like you said, there's there's like these moments where you're like, damn, you know, you have this moment of feeling lack. Um, so mm-hmm. if you go into the spiritual realm and you talk about like uh, coming from a place of lack or um, instead of a, a place of abundance or gratitude, you're going to, if you come from a place of lack, you'll attract lack. If you come from abundance yes. uh, abundance and gratitude, then you attract it, right? So it's yes. the, the law of, law of attraction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So, um, okay, we're about to get on a major spiritual tangent. But <laughs> <laughs> so if we were to um, evaluate your lifetime and you started kind of like, so even on this same page, this reflection this evaluation of your lifetime, what do you feel like are three truths that you know and live by? Three truths. Um, three truths. I would say, um, I would say, I would say, dude, so my first one would be, do things in a positive manner that that will help that will valid that will that will help help validate you, um, and not everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I've I've read at one time that um, if most people would stop living to impress, because you know when you die, when you when you pass away, people they like they mourn you, but then they forget about you. Right. So while you're on earth, you, we need to stop doing so much to impress people. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to do anything. Right. But the more people you can touch, the more people you can impact, help their lives, that will be more remembered than what you did personally, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, living for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then my, my second truth would be, um, no matter how wrong nobody, no matter how wrong someone does you or if somebody does you wrong, no matter how wrong somebody someone does you, don't return the favor. Don't oh, retaliate yeah. in the same manner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, because I mean, what if you do that? It's just an ongoing cycle, and it might not go. It might not be an ongoing cycle with that particular person, but you'll eventually do that to another person that didn't deserve it, and then you, you just you keep creating. Um, I don't want to say demons, but you keep you, you keep creating. If they on the if they're on the same type of uh, um, energy as you, that you keep creating the same type of bad energy amongst someone else, and if they keep and if they feed that to somebody else that's on the same energy, they're going to keep doing that. So I would say the second one would definitely be um, don't if someone don't do someone don't wrong do someone if they did it to you. Mm-hmm. And then my third one would be. Ooh, these are deep. My third one would probably be 
you know, live your life to the fullest, like really take like risk, like really take risk. I know that sounds cliche, but people, I feel like people get too, um, what's the word? Comfortable? Too comfortable, yes, too comfortable. And they just get, and they, their life just becomes stagnant. And they just, just you know, they just kind of ride the, the wave. And that's cool if you just want to ride the wave, but to, don't expect nothing else. Don't expect anything spectacular to happen, you know, with you just doing the same stuff every day. Um, you know, take risk. And if the risk doesn't pan out the way you want it to, it's okay. At least you took it, you know what I mean? You don't live with no regret. You, 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 you take that chance. And then the more risk that you take, it, you know, you'll, you'll eventually, something good will come out of it. You might have a lot of hardships, which is okay. You'll, you'll become wiser, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you'll become wiser. I think a lot of people take and take for granted the, the bad stuff that happens to them because they just want to get over it, you know what I mean? They don't want to, they don't want to actually learn from it. They take the good stuff and they celebrate the good stuff, but where is that same energy? when the bad stuff happens, you know what I mean? That same energy that you have when something good is going for you or something good that happened to you mm-hmm. um, because you worked hard for this, you need to take that same energy, <clears throat> that same, excuse me, that same energy when something bad happens to you. So when something bad happens to you, you really got to sit there and, and sit in your humbleness, mm-hmm. like really sit in your humbleness and, and sit in your vulnerability and really see, okay, this what this is what happened. Okay, I get to do this and then you know, once you, you you pan out everything that happened, get you gave yourself enough time to heal, then you can move on. Mhm. Yeah. Don't make don't make your limitations the limiting factor or the roadblock that makes you stop. Like I I I don't understand how people just meet a challenge and just and just give in and give up or or make it so largely a part of their identity that they're saying no. This they just accept what is, and I'm I'm, right. I'm like human hu- humanity and humans like are so much more resilient than we give a lo- ourselves credit for. Oh, like, most definitely. Do you, and know? you know things are when you when you're going for when you when you got when you set goals that are hard, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be uncomfortable. Like right. people don't even realize like they just think like once they get to the once they feel the little bit of pressure that they get. Then they then they back out of it. For me, I tell my people all the time, and I tell I even tell my managers like I love the pressure. Yeah. I love pressure. Yeah. Because it really exposes who you are. Yeah. I love the pressure. Bring the pressure onto me. I will take everybody's pressure. <laughs> and if it's too much for me, and if it's too much for me to handle, then so be it. But you know, I think I do a pretty good job of handling pressure. And can I do better? Most definitely. And I will. And that's that's the thing that I always will. That I will always. Um continue to continue to better myself is that I know I don't know everything and I can always get better at stuff at something you know so Jason you know that's beautifully said and it's a beautiful segue to our last question with each other which is what do you want your legacy to be what do you want to be remembered for what do I want my legacy to be um you know I never really thought about that but to to give you an organic raw answer, you know I just want to be remembered as, um, and clearly not everybody's gonna remember me as this. But what I want to be remembered as is the person who, the educator, the um, the great the great guy that you know um, that people can be vulnerable with. Um, 
be everything that's in the positive light. I don't want to be, I, I, I know that I'm not going to get that with everybody, and that's okay. That's just how life is. Like, you, know, you can't live your life to please everybody. But right. if I can be just remember to remember that as a person who helps impact people's lives um, through this avenue and, you know, just the positive light that I shine upon people. Um, I think I'd be, I think I'd be happy, and I think I'm on the way there. I think I'm, I'm not fully finished by God's grace. You know, hopefully I, I have, I have more trips around the sun, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm not done yet. So I think I still got more work to do to create that legacy. Oh yeah, you're like halfway there, man. <laughs> not even. <laughs> We're just beginning. I think that there's a lot of, a lot of learning that happens in your 20s, and then I feel like the 30s is living. You know, you're just I'm living sure. your lessons, and then the 40s is, is thriving. That's the way that I want to go. You know, for sure. It's Same just climbing. Here. Jason, thank you so much for spending such quality time with me today. It's been really oh, enjoyable to just hang out with you and get to know you. Is there anything else that you feel like you would like to share before we leave today? Um, I would like to tell people, you know, just just like I was saying before, stay your stay on your own course. Don't just run your own course. Don't worry. Don't be so influenced by what society or social media or whatever this worldly thing, the worldly things got going on. Just stay run your own course because you know I always I I always live by another. Thing that I've also lived, lived by was um, comparison is the is the is the robbery of joy. It, it is is the uh, yeah comparison is the robbery of joy. Comparison is the robbery of joy. If you keep comparing yourself, you you rob yourself from your joy. So just you know stay your course. Um, shout out to everybody at Lifetime. Shout out to, to shout out to my manager Terry Q. Shout out to my other manager Joey. Shout out to shout out to you Vanessa. Shout out to uh, <laughs> David Freeman, um, <laughs> shout out to Sarah Winchester, shout out to everybody that, if I, if I forgot about you, I'm sorry, but I can't think of everybody else in the top <laughs> of my head right now, but you know, shout out to everybody at Lifetime. That's for, okay. Um, shout out to all the trainers, you know, that are helping impact people's lives, all that good stuff, so. Yeah, I definitely want to take a moment of gratitude for all of our trainers. Everything that we've talked about today has just kind of reminded me what a blessing we are to the world. And I feel like that's the whole premise of the show is just to give love to the people that always give love and don't always receive the love they give. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human in their journey, and I hope to connect, continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is Vanessa signing out. Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.